there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast, the illustrious, ever-growing, hardworking, your favorite podcast, favorite podcast, the QB Spotlight Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find the guru behind QB Spotlight, Mr. Stephen Hamner, on Twitter at S-T-E-V-E-N Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore, uh, providing the freshest takes in Conference USA football and even fresher takes on hip hop. Oh. Uh, Steve, do you have any retort before we uh, before we get started in football? Uh, <laughs> for those of you who, who, really quick, for those of you who are not filled in on what's ha- what's happening here, gives you all the more reason to follow us on Twitter. We're not going to fill you on the backstory. Just follow us on Twitter, and you'll find out ahead of time. Steve, uh, uh, go ahead, man. You got it. So b- before I before I take the 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 knife out of my back that my co-host put in there last week, I want to. Uh, I'll give a quick shout out to to the website that's putting our, our uh, podcast yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Uh, so NFLDraftDiamonds.com or find them on Twitter at DraftDiamonds on Twitter. And uh, like we talked about last week, they do a great job of kind of uh, spotlighting uh, college football players that are quote unquote diamonds in the rough, if you will, from from uh, lower level schools that, uh, you know, they try to promote them to, to help give them a shot at the next level. So, uh they cover uh, similar uh, athletes and similar uh, conferences to to you know the, the quarterbacks we talk to, but uh, the quarterbacks we talk about. So uh, they do a great job. So I'll give them a follow, and we're excited to be to be working with them. But to what Eric was saying, um, so last week uh, I, I we we finished recording the podcast. Maybe you know you know whatever sometime in the afternoon, four or five o'clock. I hop on Twitter uh, and I I see this 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 tweet by eric and i'm like surely someone hijacked his phone and tweeted it. <laughs> i know eric better than this from our our sessions that we've had together in in florida where i would you know try to educate him on on houston hip-hop which i guess i did a poor job and i don't have the tweet pulled out in front of me uh but let's I, just say I, I, will, I, I will read it off to you verbatim it says at the risk of upsetting a specific follow which that specific follow wasn't just steve <laughs> The uh, San Antonio contingency that follows from uh, uh, Conference USA. Houston hip hop is slightly overrated. The highs are high, but everyone else is just Mike Jones. Uh, so you missed. See, so you gave credit to a few guys. I forget who. Maybe like Devin the Dude and UGK and Bun B. All those guys. But you forgot. You forgot ESG. You forgot. You forgot SPM. You forgot Fat Pat. You forgot Big Mo. I mean, I could go on and on for Eric. Uh, on and on forever here, Eric. Uh, as, as far as these Houston, uh, as far as Houston hip hop goes, but for those that don't know, Houston hip hop is its own, its own kind of culture, if if you will. Like growing up in Houston, you know, we didn't listen to outside rap. It, you know, we just, you know, what was Slim Thug putting out? What was Chameleon Air putting out? What was Paul Wall putting? Out? That's how we grew up. And, and Zero, uh, while you know, you can make a case for uh, him putting out too many. Uh, songs if you will man he's got some of the the best houston bangers uh there are so um that's kind of my spill houston hip-hop uh yeah i will admit there's a certain kind of uh taste to it you have to develop that taste and you know growing up in houston probably helped me develop that taste but man there is nothing like it and the fact that the thing that hurt the most was you came out and you defended florida i'm not even gonna call it rap you just you defended florida music over houston (laughs) hip-hop Okay. I, don't even know, I don't even know a Florida rapper. What do y'all have? Like, what is it? Pitbull? I, I don't know. Mr. Whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. All right. We're, we're three and a half minutes of the podcast. I am not going to just bring it to a screeching halt with that <laughs> ridiculous jab. The people who are listening to this don't come here for hip hop, but I will just say this of the 7,000 people you named from Houston, 
uh, our listeners probably can name one of them. If I go down the list of the list of Rick Ross, Trick Daddy, uh, you know, <laughs> Lodge, the list goes on. There, there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Kodak Black. But anyhow, but anyhow, yeah, uh, I'm, I, we, we can hash this. We can hash this off here. OK, uh, <laughs> let's let's dive into things here. Uh, by the way, listeners, this is probably going to be a thing for the next few weeks. So I'm just warning you now, uh, Steve. Week 15, what, what is uh, kind of serving as the de facto final week of college football play. We have a couple more games uh, this week that would have been played in the regular season that have been postponed. Uh, those games may take place this week. But uh, for all, all intents and purposes, week 15 has come and gone. No, you want to talk about three guys in specificity. Uh, start with Hank Bachmeyer in the snow. I, I, I did happen to uh, catch not the entirety of the game, but just the weather. And I, I am always impressed with quarterback who can get it done when the conditions are not ideal. So I'll let you start with there. Yeah. So I just want to touch on, a, you know, a, a few highlights from week 15, just to, to give some guys credit. Uh, and so, yeah, Hank Bachmeyer. So if no one watched. Uh, it was played, man, super, super cold weather. It was snowing the whole time. They constantly had to, you know, shovel snow off the field. And I, I personally never played in snow. Uh, but you know, playing in cold weather, one is no fun and playing, uh, with snow falling and snow on the ground makes it that much tougher, especially to push the ball down the field. And so, uh, Bachmeyer's stats were nothing flashy. Uh, he was 19 and 28 buck 81 yards in the air, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, however, what was more impressive was comparing his line, uh, his stat line to Wyoming's quarterback stat line. Uh, so Wyoming played two quarterbacks, uh, Levi Williams and uh, Gear. I forget his last name. Uh, he, he he's their true freshman they signed this year, um, and so they played two quarterbacks and they went for a combined four of twenty one for sixty four yards and one interception. So I just thought that was interesting that you know Bachmeyer was able to uh, perform above average in those conditions while the Wyoming quarterbacks you no know, could not uh, quite keep up keep up with, with what Bachmeyer was doing. So it just kind of goes to show his. his Bachmeyer's talent and his ability to get it done regardless of the weather. And I know they only played, you know, five games this year, I think, maybe six games Boise State played so far. Uh, so it wasn't a huge uh, kind of pool to, to, to watch them play, but definitely excited for, for him going forward. And, um, yeah, just an impressive performance in bad weather. The other two guys you have here are Isaiah Chavez from New Mexico, who that is a very interesting situation. I will let you – uh, expound upon and Grayson McCall's game-winning drive against Troy. So I'll let you start with whichever one of those you would like to. Yeah, so I'll touch on those briefly. Let me go with McCall first. Someone we've talked about a bunch in the podcast. So I'm sure everyone knows by now. With the uh, uh, Coastal was almost upset by Troy, and what happened was Coastal was up 35-30 with uh, maybe two-ish minutes or so left. McCall got hit through an interception. Troy got the ball back. They scored with like a minute twenty-ish left or so, and they took the lead 38-35. What, what does McCall do? He comes back, completes four passes on, on his final drive, game-winning touchdown, bounces back from throwing an interception. So uh, just th- says a lot about him mentally and his maturity. Uh, that was one of his best drives of the whole season, bouncing back from the interception. Isaiah Chavez, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Eric, is a cool story. He was, I believe, came in fifth. He's a, he's a walk-on freshman. I don't, I can't remember if he's a redshirt or not, but he's a walk-on freshman. Fifth string uh, backup quarterback as the season started. Um, got playing time two weeks ago and then this previous week uh, started. Uh, he might have started the last week too, but regardless, got playing time. And then so he started last this past week, went 14 of 18 passing, buck 96 in the air, 95 yards rushing, two total touchdowns as New Mexico beats Fresno State. Really, really cool story going from walk-on fist stringer 
to two touchdowns and being Fresno State. So I just wanted to highlight those two performances. Let's go ahead and flip the switch and go to championship week here. As I mentioned off the top, we have a couple of regular season games that'll be played, but all in all, it's pretty much looking like championship week. At least most of the games that are scheduled to be played will be conference championship games. And let's start with the American. Uh, unfortunately for you know football fans, UCF will not be in the conference championship game. That is not a a you know any type of bias on my end as much as it is Shane uh, Shane. Dear God, wrong podcast. Steve Dylan Gabriel uh, kind of lacking opportunity to see him, but. We will get a chance to see him against BYU. We'll talk about that a little bit later. That should be a fun matchup. Uh, if my guy, Steve, was still in Florida, I'd have a ticket for him for the game. But I digress. Uh, the American, Cincy and Tulsa. In, in your notes here, it's the best matchup of QBs uh, against opposing defense this weekend. So, And and the numbers kind of bear it out. So what are you looking for from both quarterbacks, especially that Cincy defense, man? That is a Cincy defense that they're outstanding, especially the secondary. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I, man, I, I think – so here, here's what I think. So bo- both defenses are very similar. Like you said, they're the best defenses in the American since he's only given up 15 points a game, which is crazy. And, and Tulsa has only given up 19.9 points a game. Uh, very, very good stat line itself. So I think, and not to mention Desmond Ritter was just named AAC Offensive Player uh, of the Year this year. So uh, congrats to him. And I think where the biggest difference we made here is Tulsa uh, hasn't faced a quarterback like Desmond Ritter so far this year, especially one that can make plays with his legs like Ritter can make. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference here in the fact that Tulsa might be able to take away some of Cincy's passing game. Uh, but I think the fact that Ritter will be able to to use his legs to help open, open up the passing game, if he can just stay pa- patient and not force the ball like he's, like, uh, like he's been able to be patient this past five or six games – then I think you know they should be able to honestly win handily uh, once they get that lead because I don't know if uh, Zach Smith and the Tulsa offense is going to be able to uh, to push the ball downfield on that Cincy uh, defense and so I'm looking for Zach Smith to come out and he's gonna have to take some shots I think and he's gonna have to kind of uh, take some risks because if not man Cincy will let you have those dink and dunks all day but you're not gonna push it down the field on them. Let's transition to the conference I cover most in depth, Conference USA. An interesting quarterback matchup here in Grant Wells, the redshirt freshman who had an excellent year, looking to bounce back from a five-interception game that we talked about last week against Rice. And I definitely expect Marshall to do just that. They should you know, really come out with a vengeance, especially wanting to, to, to prove that they are the team that looks like they might be at least in contention of a New Year's Six Bowl bid. And UAB, that's a situation that Steve and I, you've talked about a ton off-air. Their quarterback situation, whether it's been Bryson Lacero or – Tyler Johnson the third. Um, it, it's it's been it's been a unique situation. I think both and I, both you and I are curious of not even just the quarterback play itself, but some of the management of the offense. And I want to start there, Steve. Yeah. I've said this to you off air, and I kind of want to get into it a little bit on air. For listeners who may not know, can you explain to them what a high percentage throw is, or or in better yet, in, in in you know kind of better circumstance? If you're a play caller, right, and I'm putting you in the shoes of an offensive coordinator, not necessarily UABs, but just in general. Mm-hmm. If I say that you're looking to your game plan is looking to give the quarterback some high percentage throws, can you kind of just give our listeners what that you know means broadly yeah. speaking? High percentage throw without you know going to the weeds would be like a, a basic hitch route, to a quick slant, uh, a swing pass to the to the running back, a, a screen pass, tunnel screen, something to you know get a few completions and get your get your confidence up and uh, you know feel comfortable moving forward. Before I transition into, you know, we get into that uh, that matchup right there, Steve. Yeah. 
Can you explain to the listeners why that may be important for not only young quarterbacks, but and, and I'm this is me kind of um I it's my own my own opinion here that's kind of jumping in. So I want to put that out there on front street, but why that may be important for not only young quarterbacks, but inexperienced quarterbacks. Yeah, I, f- I think the, the biggest thing is this from a, a mental factor. Like, you know, every quarterback says, you know, they don't keep stats, but, you know, if a quarterback, uh, they don't keep stats during the game, but if a quarterback, you know, starts the game out over four, he's going to remember that. He's like, man, I got to get completion. You know, it's almost like a baseball hitter in a slump when he's over 15, he's constantly thinking, I just got to get a hit. And then once he gets that one hit, he gets rolling. Similar to a quarterback, if you're if you're over five and you get one completion, okay, you start to breathe. You get another one, you start to breathe. So if you can start out, with a few easy completions, all of a sudden you're sitting three for three, you're feeling okay, and you feel like you can take some shots. So I think it's, it's more important from a mental aspect uh, to kind of uh, feel like you're in a groove, if you will, to have some early success. So not only is it important for a, an experienced quarterback who might not you know, know what it's like to have much success, but I think for, for any quarterback, regardless how advanced they are, they always want to get started quick and just have a few easy completions. The reason why I asked Steve both of those questions, because UAB, if you look at their quarterbacks, whether it's from Bryson Lacerra or Tyler Johnson, Bryson Lacerra is completing 54% of his passes. Tyler Johnson's right there at the 60% mark, but TJ three's only attempted 75 passes. We can go back to last year and the situation kind of bears the same, whether it was Tyler Johnson, the third or Dylan Hopkins, Tyler Johnson under 60% and Dylan Hopkins at 51%. We can go back to 2018, even though this is a team that is very well coached by Bill Clark, in fact, you know, this is their, if a memory has served me correct, this is their third conference championship game appearance. Uh, you're talking about a program that hadn't had any conference championship appearances in the 16 years prior to being shut down. So this is not taking anything away from Bill Clark. This, we're just talking about quarterbacks as we do on this podcast. Steven, 2018, A.J. Early, 56.1% completion percentage. T.J. Three, 57% completion percentage. So again, another year under 60% completion. And and even in like uh, at the collegiate rank you'd like to be a little bit higher than 60 right yeah. AJ early in 2017 right there on the dot at 60 percent. so Steve this isn't just me kind of pulling out a, a, a one-year blip we've already gone back to 2017 here let's come back to 2020 that matchup UAB versus Marshall what are you looking for from Tyler Johnson what are you looking for from Grant Wells Man, so let's let's talk Tyler Johnson third. And, and is is Bryce is he is he injured? Is he going to be able to play, or is it TJ three for sure? Do, do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, Steve, I'm not 100 percent sure as to the, the status of Bryson Lacero. I know we will see Tyler Johnston, but I yep. don't know if Bryson Lacero is injured or not. Okay, I was just curious, like because he he you know I think he was only like nine of 18 last week in their their game against White uh, against Rice TJ three. Um, and so I, I think going back to exactly how you started this segment off, high completion passes, which, and we've talked off air for whatever reason, a lot of times they just kind of sling it and chunk it deep, and, and it's not very high percentage passes. And when you're going up against a defense like Marshall, who is only giving up 11.4 points per game, the most points they gave up this whole season was 20 against Rice, and that is pretty outstanding in my opinion whenever your quarterback throws five interceptions and you still only give up 20 points. Uh, so. You know, UAB is, is, you know, they're going to have to have find some explosive plays, yes. But if you force it, I just think you're going to uh, have incompletion after incompletion. So I think TJ3 has to take what the defense gives you. When it comes to Grant Wells, uh, obviously looking for a bounce-back game. And I think it's going to be similar to what I just said about TJ3, but it's a different mindset. He, mentally, he, he wants to come out there and, like, you know, bounce back 100%. 
prove that last week was a fluke. But I think you rely on your solid running game, take what the defense gives you, and in doing that, you'll find yourself with a pretty good performance there. So, uh, you know, I, I think Marshall should, should handily take this one. Um, but, you know, if it comes in the fourth quarter, one thing TJ3 knows how to do is, uh, you know, keep fighting and keep competing. Steve says Marshall will handily take this one. Uh, even though this isn't the Conference USA podcast, I would disagree. UAB has an excellent defense. And quite frankly, they've played stiffer competition playing against Miami and some of the better teams in, in, sure, um, sure. in the league. But uh, I want to say this really quickly to kind of give fans and listeners an NFL comp, right? So if you are, are not a huge Conference USA fan or not even a huge UAB fan, Steve, you feel free to check me if I'm wrong. Essentially, what I'm referring to in UAB's offense is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may be going through right now with Tom Brady. Much has been made about the Tom Brady-Bruce Aarons relationship, right? And Tom Brady coming from New England, where they like to dink and dunk and give those high high percentage passes. And Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, right? Looking to push it down the field. That's essentially kind of an NFL comp in the sense that Tom Brady's trying to, I don't want to say struggling to adapt, but it may not be to the best of his skill set when hey, you got guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and it's like, all right, we're going to throw, you know, 10, 15 passes downfield, and maybe we'll complete three. Yep. That's It's a fair kind of a comp there with UAB, correct, Steve? Yes, I think so. And for, and for listeners, to just to be clear, he's not comparing, you know, TJ to Tom Brady, but no. the, 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 the scheme of the offense, if you will, the struggle of the offense, if you will, is what he's comparing it to. All right, now let's transition to the Mountain West. I will let Steve take it away here. We got undefeated San Jose State and Boise, whose only loss was to BYU without Hank Bachmeyer. Steve, it is all yours. Yeah, so I think, man, first of all, if, if I'm a quarterback in high school getting recruited from for, by San Jose State, you got to look. I would definitely consider them hard, uh, definitely consider them seriously, considering the fact last year they had Josh Allen, who was the conference player of the offensive player of the year and then nick starkle who's having a great year this year they are doing some really cool things there offensively so you know it, it's weird because both teams have only played what five or six games i think uh and so it's basically like the halfway point for most seasons as far as like games being played um so you don't have a ton to, to, to choose from but i think it should be a fun game nonetheless uh two of the top three quarterbacks in the conference from this matchup and i think just from a pure quarterback standpoint uh, it, it should be fun to, to, to take in and kind of watch the two quarterbacks who actually have similar styles. They have big arms, you know, Nick Starkle being a, a former Texas A&M and Arkansas quarterback. And of course, Hank Bachmeyer being a, a pretty high prize uh, recruit at Boise state. So look for some balls being pushed down the field. Um, and it should be, you know, I would say probably pretty high scoring affair uh, with some good quarterback play. Let's head down to the fun belt. Levi Lewis, Grayson McCall, ULL, Louisiana, the University of Louisiana, I've gotten a little bit of trouble for the way I'm referring to them on another podcast, whatever they would like to be called, ULL, Louisiana, um, that team, <laughs> the Raging Cajuns, <laughs> heading up against Coastal Carolina. Uh, Steve, take it away. Yeah, so, man, okay. So, real quick, they obviously they, they played earlier this season, and, and Coastal came out on top 30-27. to 27. That game was a very back-and-forth game, and it wasn't until the very end, I believe, Coastal kind of pulled away and was able to take the lead if my memory serves me correctly um but both both defenses are very similar to each other they're all, all, both only giving up 340-ish yards per game give or take a, a a few yards and the thing with the quarterback play is each quarterback has gotten better uh, Levi Lewis has improved and the Louisiana has improved overall their only loss was to Coastal and so uh I think you know it's, it's always hard to beat and this isn't we're not pre a prediction podcast but it's always hard 
for to beat a team twice, especially a team that's as good as Louisiana. So I definitely think Coastal, uh, you know, they're having a magical season. It's 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 one of the funnest seasons I can remember just to keep up and watch. And Grace McCall is playing awesome football, and his uh, touchdowns to interception ratio is like over two to one, which is incredible, especially at this point in the season. With that said, I think it's going to be hard for Coastal to to get that second to get that second win against Louisiana. Uh, however, they've you know they've they've proven wrong. They've proven wrong the doubters this 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 whole season. So you know what's going to stop them from one more game? But this might be the funnest game of the, of the whole weekend as far as the kind of group of five uh, matchups go. Tomorrow we're taping this podcast on Tuesday, the 15th, December 15th. So I'm making sure I clarify that when I speak about tomorrow. On Wednesday will be National Signing not National Signing Day, early signing day, a little ahead of myself. Early signing day. Steve, I don't have too much here. Uh, I don't know if you have any guys in specificity you want to talk about. The main people from the conference that I cover who really stood out to me, Ty Keys at Southern Miss and Zaquez Perriman at Charlotte. But I don't know if you have any guys in specificity you want to hit on or else I can uh, kind of give a little perspective on those two guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a bunch. I just think it's going to be interesting to keep track of. And, and I believe that, you know, so tomorrow's early signing day, but I think technically Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is early signing period, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Correct. So, so it, that, that'll be interesting. I, I think I'm more inter- interested to see how that affects the transfer portal. But I'll let you go ahead and talk to those few guys you mentioned because I don't have anyone, anyone off the top of my head uh, as far as, you know, guys I'm, I'm keeping up with. Yeah, so Zaquez Perriman at Charlotte's kind of an interesting situation there. I'm definitely intrigued to see what Will Healy is able to do. When I had a chance to talk to him at the Media Days 2019, I got to jog my memory here because Corona's kind of throwing everything off, right? It feels like it's been three years and one. But when I had a chance to talk to him Media Days 2019, uh, prior to his starting his Charlotte tenure, one of the things he said is that anybody he recruits, and, and specificity talking about the quarterback, he said he wants a guy who's willing to come in there and know that you can be the face of this program, right? You're going you're gonna to break the records because the program is so young. If, if you look at whether it was Alex Highsmith or Benny LeMay or even guys now like Vic Tucker and Chris Reynolds and et cetera, those guys who are pretty recent players, some of them still on the roster, are record holders of all-time you know, marks at Charlotte because the program is so young. So he said he wants someone to come in there and be like, look, you can make this your own program. And I think that's one of the things with Zaquez Perriman that's interesting because if you look at his offers, you know, it's uh, a lot of FCS offers, Alabama A&M, Eastern Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, very much a, a dual threat guy. I mean, his numbers, at least the ones that are verified might not bear that out, but he's looking to use his legs. He's a smaller guy, Steve, about six foot, a buck 75. So, I mean, that kind of fits that Chris Reynolds type of, of um, situation there. And then yeah. Ty Keys was one that I found interesting Definitely going to be paying attention to see where he ends up going because of the obvious with Will Hall heading to Southern Miss. I definitely want to see how that plays a factor. Keys is more of a a pro-style guy. And also with Jack Abraham leaving, I I think that also opens the door to where, hey, if he wants to go follow Will Hall, he can do that and have a chance to conceivably play pretty quickly. And with that being said, uh, Keys is a, a home state guy. He's from Mississippi. So I think it's going to be interesting. Has an offer from Auburn. Uh, had the offer from Tulane as well. So it's going to be interesting, Steve. I, I That's one who I'd recommend keeping your eye on tomorrow to see where he ends up going. Because he, between Tulane and Southern Miss, had offers from both, was committed to Southern Miss, or is committed to Southern Miss now verbally. But we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun few days. And for you know, a group of five football, you know, we'll be able to keep track of the quarterbacks that sign you know, these next few days. Then also once – 
February rolls around, we'll have, you know, a, a probably a better idea of the quarterbacks actually going once the transfer portal kind of uh, kind of works itself out too. So it's going to be interesting, you know, a few months as far as recruits go and transfer portal goes and, you know, the amount of quarterbacks that are being uh, in, in the transfer portal right now. Next up, and we'll probably close with this, is the transfer portal game. This is going to be a fun game. See, we got to get some intro music for this, you know. I know. Intro music only for the pod, but we got to have like a gap and a pause here. And yep. intro music for the transfer portal because it's going to be day in, day out, at least a dozen kids a day for the foreseeable future will be entering the transfer portal. That just is what it is. And in specificity to quarterbacks, expect a lot of guys to be there. Steve, I want to run this by you really quickly, uh, who I accidentally called you Shane. That's from the Shulable podcast. Shane Marinelli threw something out there, and he'll appreciate the shout-out on this podcast, but he threw something out there I thought was interesting. He said, if you're a G5 program who has you know, a question at quarterback, right? you're unsure, you should be taking not just one, but two transfer portal quarterbacks because they're going to have enough names, enough quarterbacks are going to be in the portal to where you can take two. And, you know, he's essentially saying that if you're so unsure of it, you don't have to have a situation where you bring in just one guy. You can bring in two, let them compete. And if you're a team that you feel is a quarterback away, uh, the team that he covers in specificity is Florida Atlantic. Let's say you're Javion Posey, Nick Tronti. We don't know what Chris Robinson's status will be. There's rumors that he may be back with the program, but let's put that aside for a second. Steve, if you've seen FAU play, you know they have enough talent. You know, they got the Michael Irvin second at, at uh, tight end. They've got TJ Chase at receiver, all the running backs. The defense performed well for being really young this year. You can say they're a quarterback away. And his rationale is if you're a G5 team, take two. Just want to run that by you real quickly before we get into the actual names on the list. Yeah, I think as I think I think as 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 long as and that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's I think if you, if roster spots uh, let that happen, I think that makes sense. Uh, the only thing I would say is if there's a quarterback recruit you're really trying to get and you like a lot. At bringing in two grad transfers could, you know, de- defer that court that uh, that high school recruit from going that way. However, if you know you're kind of unsure about that quarterback recruit, or uh, you're okay losing him for, and bringing in two guys, then I think that's okay. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I think that's like some like, that's a good rationale and good reasoning behind it. I would just say with the caveat of knowing that could. Uh, rub that new recruit the wrong way. He could transfer someone else. He could decommit. Uh, so if you really like that incoming freshman, that's something you probably want to think about in the back of your head. Would would you tend to agree with that, or or what what are your thoughts as, as far as how it would affect the incoming quarterback as far as the freshman goes? For me, it's pretty simple. If you're in a win now situation, whether that's by virtue of your record from the year prior, kind of like the school I cover, FIU, or if you're in a win now situation such as FAU, or even I'll throw a caveat out, caveat out at you. Even a Southern Miss, a team that we know isn't as bad as their two and seven or three and seven record with state, but they kind of got, you know, they were ravaged by people who entered the transfer portal at the beginning of the season. If you can identify a guy who you think, and, and remember, you may be getting someone with multiple years of eligibility. It doesn't have to be a grad transfer per se. You may, right. We're talking about the transfer portal. You get a guy with two years eligibility, I say, why not? I I say, go for it. Now, if you're in a situation where you're just kind of pulling guys just to pull them, yeah, I'd probably stick with the younger players. So that's kind of my POV there. But I want to throw one more question at you before we go to our list. You and I have talked about this off air. I don't believe we've talked about it on air. 
where do you fall in the debate of a quarterback who or a player i don't care of of what um position hypothetical right charlotte we've talked about this guy on this podcast a ton both huge fans victor tucker not a highly recruited guy coming out of miami not the biggest guy 510 511 about a buck 80 but you know forgive my language he busts his ass you know he he was a great route runner he's a ball performed, player. yeah has performed well at the conference usa level and then let's say you have a four or five star recruit who did not work out at his p5 program who are you more likely to give credence to i i i know i have said that i am a believer well yes player x may be more talented than player y if you've done something for me i don't just summarily dismiss that um i'm just curious where you fall i honestly think there's a right or wrong answer yeah i, I think it's a situation that a lot of and the reason i ask it to you steve is i think a lot of coaches it, it would have been a hypothetical a couple of years ago you could say all right it's fun to toss around but now with the amount of players especially p5 players who will be in the transport portal mm-hmm. i think this is going to be a really interesting uh kind of dichotomy so so just make sure i have the question right so basically you're sure. saying um you know I'm a coach at Charlotte. Uh, uh, my um, my receiver, who's you know, I wasn't wasn't recruited very highly, but he's done great for me. Uh, is my number one guy, and I bring in a four star recruit. Are you saying? Are you asking the question on? Uh, am I am I am I assuming that that guy's taken Victor Tucker's spot? Is that the question? Let's bring it around to quarterbacks because obviously with receiver and other positions, you can play multiple. Right, quarterback. Uh, 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 sorry for the dig, FIU. Unless you're gonna play three like you did this year, uh, it's only gonna be one guy. Uh, yeah. So I think I think I think if I'm if I'm a coach, this is you know there's a lot of like humanity involved with this. I'm sticking with my guy who's been successful for me, who I know has done well starting off, at least initially. Uh, I think it's easier to pull the plug on him if he struggles and then puts the new guy in compared to if I bench my old guy put in the four-star quarterback, and then if he struggles, then I you know, I have a lot more questions to answer as to, you know, why did you put him in over, over your original starter? And I think this is actually – so Charlotte actually just got a commitment from a four-star quarterback who was at Texas right. A&M. So that's actually a good good point because you got Chris Reynolds who, you know, uh, didn't, wasn't highly recruited, undersized, but has worked his ass off and is now uh, one of the – better quarterbacks in Conference USA, and now you bring this four-star recruit in who, in his mind, is expecting to come in and start and take the job. So um, that's how I kind of would approach it. You know, I, I would want my guy, assuming he's done well for me, if he's kind of been off and on, off and on, you know, so-so, then, you know, I'm, I'm making it a full 100% competition. Uh, but I would at least I would at least give my main guy every chance he can to take the job. And if it's just evident that this four-star guy is this that much better, then at some point you just give him the reins. Uh, where do you fall on that line? Do you tend to agree with that? I know you kind of you, you lean a little more towards the guy that's done a lot for you. Yeah, no, I lean towards the guy who's played. Yeah, just because as an overall philosophy, Steve, I am not someone who believes that. Listen, I think recruiting is a crapshoot. Yeah. I think our rankings are slightly overrated. I think there are kids who can ball at every level. The reason we do this podcast, the QB Spotlight Podcast, because there are plenty of quarterbacks at the D five yep. level who can ball. Yep. Right. Agreed. If you if you lined Asher O'Hara up, for example, um, up against, uh, I, I don't want to be unfair. It's like Justin Fields, but yeah. you know, insert name of a Power Five 
any SEC quarterback, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, the measurables and all that quote-unquote talent is going to go towards the SEC guy, right? But as Asher's shown, he's someone who can be productive, productive at the G5 level. 100%. The wins haven't borne out yet, but that has more to do with the team around him than necessarily his own talent. So that's where I tend to lean to it. However, I, I do – I, I do understand that there are quarterbacks who, for one reason or another, at the P5 level don't work out and can come down. And it's hard to say no to a guy who can make all the throws, right? It's hard to say no to a guy who's physically more talented. But let's use the Charlotte example. They had a quarterback who actually is now on their staff as a GA, Brett Keen. Yep. Brett Keen was someone who started his career um, at US. I believe he started his career before at USF. I'm sorry, it's, for, it's escaping me right now. But um, was at USF, went from USF to Charlotte. Uh, yeah. God, I wish I could remember where Brett Keen was coming from. I, I'll look that up in a second. But the yeah. fact of the matter is this. If you look at the quote-unquote talent and measurables, Brett Keen is going to blow Chris Reynolds away all day. But yeah. Chris Reynolds managed to hang on to that job. So that's kind of where I oh, – go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, I'm just I'm going to bounce on you, bounce off your example, if you don't mind, just piggyback. And with Charlotte, I think the year before Keen, they had a quarterback transfer from Miami, Evan Sheriffs, I believe. Correct. I'm not mistaken. You're correct. So – Another great example, and I, I got before we jump into the game, I, I got one more, I got one more transfer portal question to throw your way real quick. Yeah, uh, I think we got it. time. We got time. So you talked about, yeah. So we so we talked about the Power Five guys going down to the G five. I'm gonna kind of reverse it for you real quick. Now that you know that it's easier to transfer now, what about the super successful? I'm a super successful freshman. Group of five freshman quarterback. Let's just throw out Grayson McCall. I'm not saying he's doing this. Just for an example, super successful freshman quarterback. I do great at this group of five school, Coastal Carolina or whatever it may be. Now I can transfer without you know uh, uh, the repercussions that we used to have for transferring. Do you see that being being something that is done more commonly? Or excuse me, where a super successful G five guy, freshman or sophomore transfers to a Texas or a Florida or a Georgia or whatever it may be to try his hand at the bigger school after doing very, very well his his early years at a G5 school. Do you see that being a trend that could possibly happen? I could point to, <laughs> I don't want to go on a rant, but I could point to a former Eastern, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina quarterback, Gardner Minshew, the second who. Great if example. You, if, if you look at, Again, I don't want to come down hard on Gardner, but as someone who went to UCF, I saw a lot of ECU games, and he was not the same guy at ECU that he was at Washington State under Mike Leach. And I would recommend anyone who who has you know wants further knowledge on the situation, Google Gardner Minshew and Eastern Carolina transfer. Uh, I believe, like you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in Gardner Minshew's mouth, but you can Google that and see that transfer wasn't exactly held uh, done in the best fashion in terms of you know leaving ECU, but it happens, right? Um, I would look at Bailey Zappi, right? And I'm not critiquing yeah. Bailey Zappi from going to Houston Baptist, but it, you're talking about going from an FCS program who, before he was a starter there, that program was on life support. Mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know that very well. Mm -hmm. And he certainly brought it up and, and made it respectable. And he's like, hey, I'm taking my shot. And not only did he leave, the receiver who's been there a couple of years left as well. Yeah. So I am never going to fault a kid for leaving a quote unquote smaller program and going to yeah. a bigger program. Uh, the, the example I just gave of Gardner Minshew, it probably could have been handled better, but I, it, it's not out of the it's not out of the realm. And Steve, I want to transition right there into Bailey Zappi before we get into the guys on your list. I know you know I'm a huge fan of him as a player. Have you had a chance to look at any further film and just what do you think? 
I have. So, so I believe the games I've been able to look at him were it was North Texas and Texas Tech. That, that was the, am I am I correct? Those are yeah, scores? they played both. Yeah. So, uh, man, I think so. To to kind of piggyback off your answer, like I'm like hell yeah, that fires me up to see a, a kid from the G5 go to the Power Five and have success. So I think that that that, that, that it's awesome just to prove it, to to keep showing people, hey, I can I can freaking do this. I don't care what a scouting service says. I don't care, you know, what coaches said I can do this. So I'm excited to see him uh, potentially go out and do that. I think he's an NFL guy, NFL arm, NFL size. He's good with his feet. He can make every throw. So I think he can go in and look, there are plenty of obviously group of five schools, but plenty of power five schools that have struggled at the quarterback position. Uh, you can probably take out a handful from each conference that Billy Zabby could go in and probably start immediately. I'm not saying, you know, you know, the majority of schools, but a lot of these schools that are desperate for a quarterback, man, I'd be looking for him in, in a heartbeat because he can make every throw. And if, if you're one of those conf- uh, schools that's a quarterback away, like, hell yes, go out and get him. So that that's my support for Billy Zappi right there. Maybe it's because I'm a Houstonian, uh, and but he probably listens to Houston rap, Eric. So that might be, that might be why, you know, he's having some success. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll do. Uh, I'll get some. I'll do some uh, hard hitting investigative journalism and figure out whether uh, he's listening to some hip hop or not. Let's jump to the guys here. You got in the list, uh, Mackenzie Milton to FSU. I won't spend too much time on that because you know that's that's a, a P five program. But uh, great to see Mackenzie back, and by all accounts, he looks to be you know fully healthy, ready to go. I, I think that's something we can come back to a little further on. Uh, let's talk about some of the guys, uh, the the other quarterbacks who you know probably haven't had as much recognition so far. Anthony Russo, definitely want to hear your thoughts on him because I know that transfer caught you by surprise. Yeah, coming by surprise, but I, I just heard today, so the former Georgia quarterback who started the the season, Dwayne Mathis, uh, or is it Dewan Mathis? I forget that pronounce his first name. He is actually, I believe, now committed to, 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 to Temple. So it makes you wonder, like, you know, what was kind of going on behind the scenes there. Uh, but he, he's a guy who could, you know, start at uh, several group of five programs. So a uh, big guy, good arm. And you probably saw him play firsthand against UCF several times, especially that game a few years ago at UCF, I believe, where it was a hell of a game between him and I think Mackenzie Milton. Um, so excited to see him. Um, and then before we get into this game, Eric, I'm just going to name a few more guys. Uh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. That, uh, and we'll, we'll come back to the podcast and go through guys individually, but a few kind of higher get, uh, kind of well – well-known guys, uh, Daryl Mack from UCF, Jack Abraham, Southern Miss, Logan Bonner uh, from Arkansas State, or some other guys. I'm interested to see some other group of five guys. I'm interested to see where they end up as they can, you know, have some value to a program. Yeah, you know, I honestly want to start, you know, doing the you know, Steve. Remember that old deal? Like, you know, you would be. Um, it's kind of like a matching game. You know, you'd be in elementary, middle school, and you'd be like, you got to match this with that. You know, that's what I feel like the, the transfer portal for our quarterback is going to be. So I don't want to go too far into matching guys. Um, I think, or, or let me ask you this before before I kind of close that thought up. Do you have anybody offhand who you think, hey, would be a good fit for an offense? Man, I I, I don't. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like like what you just said. Like as far as like. I haven't thought that much into it, to be honest. I'm sure if I, you know, thought a little bit more, I could, but I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying what happens. Cause I think with the transfer portal, a lot of stuff kind of takes you by surprise. Right. So why do you have someone you're thinking about or. Yeah. I, not necessarily someone, but in specificity to an offense and this, you can call me being a Homer here, yeah. but FIU is a school that sent two quarterbacks to the NFL over the past now four seasons. You want to include this one. Rich Skrosky, uh, this I, I am, it is not my own bias as much as it is 
NFL scouts, I've heard them say this. I, I was on the field at the Shrine Bowl last year. NFL scouts like the way that Rich Skrosky coach quarterbacks are prepared for the next level. You, you may not be, and I don't want to go too in the weeds, but FIU can do that on another podcast, but you may not necessarily agree with some of the, you know, the play calling itself or the actual plays, but the actual Sunday through Thursday, Sunday through Friday of getting a quarterback ready, NFL scouts were in love with that. And if I were a quarterback uh, who's out there, I would look at that and say, specifically if you're on your last legs, right? If, if you're a guy who's got maybe two years left or maybe one, yeah, I would look at that and say, if this guy's well-regarded as someone who can send uh, quarterbacks prepared to the combine and prepared to shrine bowl and whatnot, I, I would look at that. That's something that, so um, I, I, I kind of want to, and I don't want to harp on Bailey Zappi too much. Uh, I knew you would say that. <laughs> but the reason, here's the reason I would say it. If you know you got one shot, you've been yeah. the guy, man amongst boys at the FCS level, and they need to prove something in FBS, I don't know that you necessarily go to, and he's a Texas kid, so maybe he's got you know a, a Texas school in mind that's been his dream school. But I don't know that you go P5. I would find a G5 school that you know can best prepare you for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's fair. Um, but, you know, at the same time, to play devil's advocate, he, he, yeah, he, please do. Please he do. probably wants to – he's probably seen these Power 5 quarterbacks play, and he's like, dude, I'm better than half these – I'm better than a lot of these guys. And he, his mindset, he probably wants to, uh, you know, just go play at the highest level and prove that he's just as good or better than all these guys. Uh, but what you say makes a lot of sense. Uh, so for, I'm assuming, I, I'm not going to assume you, you told me about what Butch says about assuming, but I wouldn't be surprised if FIU, you know, gets a, a grad transfer and, uh, you know, find some, some more success at that position than last year. Without a doubt. But with that, we're going to close up the episode, this episode of the QB spotlight podcast, Steve, really quickly in a couple seconds, shout out draft diamonds one more time for me, sir. Yeah. So just like, like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, you can find us at draft diamonds. Uh, their Twitter is at draft diamonds. Their website is, uh, NFL They put out great content. You'll be able to find our show weekly as they'll be posting it uh, throughout the week. Uh, once we get it edited and sent over there, they do a great job, uh, cover, cover kids that deserve to be covered and just, you know, do a great job spotlighting them. We're going to try to do a better job of sending out tweets a little earlier in the week so we can get your guys' feedback on who you want to talk about, what you want to talk about. As always, find the podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight and various podcast hosting platforms, in addition to, as Steve said, Draft Diamonds. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching, and we will be back next week.